So then, self-worth, that's, uh, that's an issue, isn't it? <laughs> yeah? People struggling all over the place uh, with, uh, with self-worth and their own perception of themselves. Hands up if that's familiar. And uh, it's not helped, if we're honest, is it, by everybody around us. Uh, it's not helped um, by the context that, that we're in as, as people, as a society. Um, the systems and structures that make up the world, they don't appear to be particularly conducive to give us a high level of confidence in ourselves, do they? No. no. <laughs> glad, glad you agree. The world can actually, I don't know if you've noticed, the world can actually be a pretty harsh place. Yeah? Is that fair to say? And I talk, about, I talk about social media a lot. I talk about, I don't use social media a lot, but I see the effects of social media a lot. And, uh, and you know, what started off really as a nice way to connect with friends from school, remember that, when it was nice, uh, has become sort of a, a sordid place of damaging messaging. No, it's not, it's facts. No cap, as the kids say. Oh. It's often used to tear people down, drawing comparisons and highlighting inadequacies. And, uh, and did you know this as well? There are, there are people whose apparent job it is, right? The, 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 their actual job, they're paid money, real money, uh, to, to give the illusion of a perfect life and a successful life. They call themselves influencers, yeah? You know that? And, uh, and, and, and I can kind of see the original point behind influences, yeah, to sort of, you know, inspire people to, uh, to do better and all that sort of stuff. But the actual effect is much different. The actual effect on the ground, what we experience, is actually much different because I don't know about you, um, but, but I tend to, uh, or have anyway, look at my life and, uh, and, 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 then, and then we look at, the supposed lives of these of these people on the internet, and then we draw a comparison. Yeah, we draw a comparison, and uh, and if we're honest, we don't often come out on top in that compar- comparison, do we? No, we don't often come out on top, and we end up thinking, well, actually, I'm not doing that well. Then apparently, apparently, I'm not doing that well, and our self worth and our self perception is damaged. It doesn't have to be influences, does it? It could be uh, friends, family, people that we know. And if we're not careful, we can be drawn into, uh, even subconsciously, we can be drawn into a comparison game with other people. And comparison, comparing ourselves to others, has one of two possible outcomes. Always and every time, one of two possible outcomes. Either we perceive that we're doing better, which leads us to pride, yeah, and, uh, and who can remember last week uh, that uh, the Lord uh, does not look upon the proud with favor? Do you remember that? It's on the podcast, if not. Uh, the, other, the other outcome from comparison is that we perceive that we're not doing as well, and so that leads us to a low, low self-perception. And so the comparison culture that we're almost forced in, into in society, it's not a good and productive aspect of our world. Do we agree? So good. That's good we're on the same page. I don't know if you've ever been in this position, uh, I know I have, where I just look around at the world, and, uh, play this comparison game, and I just sort of conclude, you know what, um, I'm just not that great at this. I'm just not that great at this. I'm not that great at, <laughs> I don't know, maybe life in general. 
Maybe I'm just not that great at my job, or, or I'm just not that good a husband or wife, or I'm just not that good a, a, a father or mother, or I'm just not that good a son or daughter. Maybe I'm just not that great. I have huge weaknesses in this area. We've lowered the tone now, haven't we? Yeah? We will build it back up, don't worry. I don't know if you feel weak or insufficient in any area of your life right now, maybe a situation that you're already in, or maybe something that you know that God is calling you into. I don't know if you're perhaps hesitant about that. But this weakness mindset, and we will open the Bible, this is pretext, context, all right? This weakness mindset speaks to us, and it goes deep, and it can affect us. And if we're not careful, it wields a mighty power and control over us, if we're not careful. Our emotional response to our own perceived weaknesses and insufficiencies can significantly affect the trajectory of our lives. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I'm going to show you how it works. Firstly, it speaks to our identity, yeah? It speaks to our identity, a weakness and comparison mindset and, uh, and game speaks right into the core of who we are. Identity statements describe who we are, yeah? Uh, not what we do, but, but, but they address the very core of our being. And so the, the weakness and comparison mindset speaks, I am weak, certainly compared to them. I am insufficient. I am not good enough. These are identity uh, statements that, uh, that a comparison uh, mindset that leads, leads us into. Secondly, it speaks to our ability. And so this is all about our skills and, uh, and the proficiency uh, that, that we have. And so we start to say of ourselves, I can't do that. Or I'm not very good at that. Or I'm not as good at that as that other person. I don't have the experience for that. And finally then... It speaks into our purpose. When our identity and our weak, our, our, our identity that comes from comparison that results in, in an identity of weakness and insufficiency defines our perception of our ability, it begins to dictate what our purpose must be. I'm weak in preaching. I can't do it as good as Craig Gershell. And so it must not be my purpose. When we allow the world to have the loudest voice in our lives, using comparison to highlight our weaknesses, our entire life and what God is calling us to can be completely derailed. And so the question is, if God is calling me into a specific purpose, but I have insufficiencies and weaknesses in that area, how can I do it? How can I do it? How can God cause something like that to happen? How does God strengthen the weak? And that's our question today. How does God strengthen the weak? I want to show us that the word of God opposes the way the world speaks. And uh, God speaks directly into our identity, into our ability, and into our purpose. Are you ready this morning to receive are you ready this morning to receive from God? He speaks directly into our weakness and he completely overturns the false principles by which the world operates. Is that good? 
It's going to be fairly quick this morning. It's going to be whistle stop, all right? There's so much that can be said in this area, uh, but we're going to go super quick and try and cram a lot in. So I hope you're making notes. Yeah? All right, let's pray. Lord, as we open your word this morning, uh, would you speak to us? Lord, would you have your way in this place? Would you speak into the hearts, minds, and souls of every individual in this room? Uh, Would your word come alive this morning? Would we receive uh, from your Holy Spirit uh, divine uh, instruction, divine wisdom, uh, divine conviction this morning, Lord? Would we hear directly from you through your word? Amen. So the three areas, the three areas that that, that are affected by our comparison and, uh, and, our, and our weakness mindset. The first I mentioned was identity. Who are you? Who are you? I love speaking about identity. I, I love it uh, because it's so huge in the world right now, isn't it? Yeah? Ah, oh, they love identity. Identity is such a huge part of the world. There's a whole stream of politics all set up for it. It's amazing. Identity politics, which has, you know, caused so much peace and harmony. Uh, around the world. It's marvelous. Um, But we're going to leave all that fun stuff out for today, okay, Uh, because we're talking about identity uh, in weakness. And uh, and so when we are told, and it could be by ourselves, it could be by other people, it could be by the enemy, it could be by comparison, but when we're told that we're weak and insufficient and not good enough, God speaks something different. God says differently, Romans 8, 37, knowing all these things, that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's different to what the world speaks over you. 1 John 3, 1 says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called, listen, children of God. And that is what we are. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, you are, listen, we are a chosen people. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Someone in this place needs to hear this morning that you are God's special possession. That the God of the universe who flung the stars into the sky, who knows the details and, 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 and the physics of everything on the big scale and, and has designed the intricacies of the small detail, you are his special possession. You need to know that this morning because that is, what, that is the identity that, that God speaks over you. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's handiwork. We are created by him. He's put us together in a special way for a special purpose. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is what the Bible speaks over you. This is, what, this is the identity that the Bible gives you, and there's much, much more. And so our question becomes, do you, do we, do I allow the world and the comparison and the social media and, you know, whatever else to define your identity? Or do you allow the one who created you to tell you who you are? Who is defining your identity? 
Who is defining your identity? We need to start here because our question is, how does God strengthen the weak? But my Bible says, my Bible says that those who put their trust in God aren't weak to begin with. And so perhaps the question is almost redundant. And you might say, well, okay, that's, that's, that's cool. That's nice. There's some nice verses there, Dom, that you've spoken uh, and that you've reminded us of. That's, that's great. And, uh, you know, I appreciate God says I'm not weak. I'm more than a conqueror. Marvelous stuff. Thank you. But practically speaking, okay, practically speaking, I'm still going to struggle with what God has called me to do. Is that fair? Yeah? Is that fair? Let's temporarily amend the question. How does God cause those who he has deemed to be more than conquerors to actually be more than conquerors? Is that good? And so now we're asking the real questions, and we need to look for how God equips those he has called, and we're addressing ability. I said identity, ability, purpose. And so We'll look at ability. What does God say about our ability to do that which he has called us to do? Our Bible reading plan this week. Who reads the Bible reading plan? <laughs> yeah, it will be all of us. Just, just saying. Um, it goes out on the social media. It's really cool. Uh, it's not very long. The idea is this. If you are someone who struggles to read your Bible uh, daily, uh, it's supposed to be a little encouragement, a little help to say, look, just it's three verses. Just read three verses. Get some of the Word of God in you. Uh, because who knows that the world is speaking into you. And, uh, and they have an influence over you. And so it's probably good if you allow the Word of God to have an influence over you as well. In fact, more so. Also. So our Bible reading plan this week, we're in Isaiah 40, 41. And, uh, and Isaiah 41 is a complex chapter. Um, in fact, Isaiah as a whole is complex. It shows God's people, Israel, in the context of the nations around them. And so we, 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 uh, we, we have kind of a comparison type thing going on already, just in the subtext of Isaiah. And the book of Isaiah calls upon Israel, the people of God, to be a steadfast and consistent people of God, serving and blessing the nations around them. Yeah? That's what, uh, that's what Isaiah is about. And, uh, and, and God says this in Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. And help you, I will uphold you with my righteous hand. And so we see this idea of, of God uh, strengthening his people uh, in, in this context, the, 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 the Israelites, Hebrews, um, for something specific that he's called them to do. And he says that I will strengthen you. God knows that they are incapable. God knows that they are not capable of doing um, what, he has, what he's asking them to do. And so that is why he tells them that he will strengthen and uphold them. The specific task and quest in question, God will strengthen them for it. That's what God promises. And I want to show us that the Bible has a multitude in fact, the Bible really is filled with examples where God calls somebody to do something specific that they have no business doing in the natural because they have no skills for it. They're insufficient to achieve it. 
And yet God calls them into doing it anyway. And, and I'm going to highlight two of my favorites. Is that all right? Yeah? I'm going to highlight two of my favorites. The first, God calls Moses in Exodus chapter 3 and 4. And, uh, and God calls Moses to lead his people out of slavery. Yeah? Do we know that? We're watching a great film at the moment. We started it. Apparently now uh, we are a, a household. <laughs> We're a household that watches the film over two evenings. Now? I never thought that would happen. What has happened? What has happened? But now, now, we're, now we're watching a film, and so we started watching this film last night. It's called Exodus, Gods and Kings. Ridley Scott, anyone heard of it? So good, so good. And uh, we got about an hour in. It's two and a half hours. We got about an hour in, and Sam was like, ah, oh, you know what? I need to go to bed. This is about, it's about quarter to ten. You know what? I need to, I need to go to bed. And I'm like, well, what, do you, what do you mean? We, we, we haven't you know, had, had the plagues yet. What are you saying? We can't go to bed. Um, anyway, that's, that's just life. That's just the, you know, the progression there. So. But anyway, uh, so Moses is called by God to lead, uh, to lead this people, uh, to lead God's people out of Egypt. And God calls Moses initially to his plan uh, to be the person that leads his people to freedom. And we see this initial call in Exodus uh, 3. And verse 10, and God says this, So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And so God sends Moses on a mission. Do we know that? Yep, yep. Um, in fact, we, we had a preaching series about uh, all uh, based in Exodus uh, last year. And so, uh, so this should be familiar. But Moses suffers from deep insecurities and, uh, and insufficiencies when he compares himself to other people. Moses doesn't hold up. That's the reality of the situation. I'll show you. Uh, Exodus uh, 4 and verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent. Right? So he's asking Moses to go and speak to a king. And Moses says, I've never been eloquent. Uh, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. God is asking someone who can't speak to go and speak to the king. Moses said uh, in verse 13, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. See, there's a comparison that occurs in Moses' mind uh, in, this, in this time. And, uh, and he compares himself between him, uh, him and others. And uh, he comes out underneath. He comes out underneath. I wonder, I wonder this morning if you've been called by God to do something but you have compared yourselves to others and arrived at the conclusion that someone else could do it better. Opportunity or you know, career progression or whatever. Well, someone else is better at that than you are. Perhaps in your position in your family, as a, as a father or a mother or husband or wife, son or daughter, perhaps a specific ministry calling, Somebody else is a better worship leader than you are. Somebody else is a better youth pastor than you are. Somebody else is a better marriage counselor than you are. But God says, I am sending you. Another favorite of mine, uh, so we've talked about Moses. Another favorite of mine is, uh, is, is Judges 6 when God calls Gideon. I'm not sure if there's a film about this one. 
uh, but it's in the, pack of, uh, uh, in the uh, book of Judges and chapter 6. And, uh, and in this setting, God's people are once again, they're experiencing persecution at the hand of the Midianites. Uh, and, uh, and an angel of the Lord comes and he appears to Gideon. Angel of the Lord appears to Gideon. And here's how Gideon describes himself to the angel of the Lord. He says, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. And so once again, uh, Gideon is engaging in a comparison uh, situation where he's comparing himself with other people. He's coming out underneath, and he says, I'm weak, I'm the least, but God says, go in the strength you have, I am sending you. And so God calls Moses, and he, and he calls Gideon, and, and he sends them. He calls them into situations that they are, listen, unsuitable for. And he says, go, I'm sending you. And you might say, well, that's, that's really harsh of God to do that. That's, that's really quite harsh. God's just setting these people up for, for failure. God knows their weaknesses and insufficiencies, and yet he's sending them. That seems like a really harsh thing to do. How is there going to be victory in these situations when these people are incapable of doing what they're being asked to do? But here's what God says to Moses. I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. God says, I will be with you. And he says the same thing to Gideon in Judges 6.16. The Lord answered, I will be with you. I will be with you. And so God is, God is calling you into marriage, into parenthood, into ministry, into leadership. He might be calling you into telling your friends, work colleagues, family about Jesus. He might be calling you to comfort the marginalized. He might be calling you to, to, to counsel those that, uh, those that need a, a comfort. And the response might very well, your response might very well echo the responses of Moses, Gideon, David, countless others throughout the Bible and throughout church history as well, your response might echo that. Pardon me, Lord, but I am ill-equipped, insufficient, and weak. Please, please ask someone else. And God says, no, I am sending you. And I will go with you. God says in Hebrews 13, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That's God's promise to us. See, here's the thing. God knows that you can't do it. He knows better than you do that you can't do it. But something I've noticed is this, is that God, God doesn't call those that are equipped. He equips those whom he calls. Amen? And he says, you can't do it, and so I am going to do it through you. He doesn't need your skill, your ability, your experience. It's not a job interview. He just needs your heart and your obedience. And so the question 
how does God strengthen the weak? The answer is this. God is the strength for the weak. And we're all weak. God speaks into our ability by being our ability. And so the final element, the final element then, this idea of purpose. When the world speaks into our identity and our ability ends up defining what our purpose must surely be because what we've determined we're capable of doing determines our purpose. The question becomes, why would God call me to do something he knows I can't do only for him to basically do it himself anyway? That seems counterintuitive. Yeah? Does that seem counterintuitive? Yeah? For some of us, it does. If the purpose, if the purpose was to free the Israelites from slavery, who knows that it would have been quicker and easier for God to do that himself? Yeah? Yeah? We didn't need Moses. We didn't need the plagues. Could have just done a finger click or something of that nature and free Israelites. Yeah? Do we know that God is possible, uh, capable of that? If the purpose was to give victory to the Israelites over the Midianites, who knows that it would have been quicker and easier for God to just do that himself. Again, a few thunderbolts maybe, striking people down. We didn't need to involve Gideon. Yeah, he could have just stayed in the, on the threshing thing, doing his grapes or whatever he was doing. Yeah? Who knows that that would have been easier and that God is capable of that? Yeah? Yeah? And so if those things that we've said, delivering the Israelites from slavery and giving victory to the Israelites over the Midianites, if they were the key purpose, then absolutely we didn't need the other people. But what if those things aren't the actual primary plans and purposes of God? What if those tasks weren't the actual purposes of Moses and Gideon? What if there is a purpose that God has in mind that is significantly higher and far more important? What if the tasks and the plans and the purposes and the objectives that we currently see as the main thing are in fact not the main thing? Romans 11.36 says this, For from him, for from him and through him and for him are all things, to him be the glory forever. Amen. Isaiah 43 verse 7 says this, Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. John 15 8 says this, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. We tend to think uh, that our purpose is task-based, but there's a, there's a theme, there's a thread running through these verses, in fact, the entire scripture. We tend to think that our purpose is task-based to achieve a particular thing or to accomplish something very specific. It could be freeing the Israelites from Egypt. It could be to bring down the walls of Jericho. It could be leading people into the promised land. It could be establishing the best youth ministry. It could be uh, you know, being the best life group leader. And all these things are great. 
All these things are great. But these things are secondary purposes to our actual purpose. These things are secondary to our actual purpose because every single one of us has, in fact, the same purpose in this world. The same purpose. We have different ways that we're called to outwork it, but your purpose is the same as mine, and it's the same as Moses's, and it's the same as uh, King David's. Our unified purpose is to bring glory, worship, and honor to God. That's the purpose. Primarily to worship him and give him praise and honor, and then to lead other people to him, showing other people his wondrous love so that they too may glorify, worship, and honor God. That is the reason that we were created. These are the facts. We've all been given different ways, but we need to know that our first call as creation is to bring glory to Creator. First Corinthians 10.31 says, So wherever, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all. Listen, whatever you do. Whatever you do. And Paul, I love that Paul, I love that Paul, Paul lists two things, and they're just, like, they're just normal things. They're not like the big things, are they? You know, whatever you do in your, in your, in your youth ministry, whatever you do in your church ministry. No, no, no. In, in the basics of eating and drinking, forget all that stuff. In the base, and everything else on top, but in the basics of eating and drinking, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Our entire lives are focused around bringing glory to God. And so the question then is, what has that got to do with God strengthening the weak? Which is where we started, yeah? Are you still with me, church? Got a bit of a cough occurring. What has that got to do with God strengthening the weak? Well, the reality is God calls the least likely to accomplish the seemingly impossible. Have, have we demonstrated that throughout Scripture? And, and it's impossible because they're ill-equipped, Ill insufficient, and weak. And the reason is this, so that there can be no doubt whatsoever. There can be no doubt that there is no way that that person could possibly have achieved that thing apart from the power of God. It was not possible for Moses to lead his people out of slavery apart from the power of God. It was not possible for Gideon to lead the Israelites into victory apart from the power of God. And it is not possible for you to do whatever God is asking you to do apart from the power of God. And so when we do step out and step into what God is asking of us, and the impossible becomes reality, we are displaying the awesome power and might of God and directing all glory to him. Amen? Which is the entire reason for our existence. Can I bring you the opposite? The opposite side of that same coin? Because it's going to be harsh for you. Is that okay? You ready for, for that? Because I want to bring you the opposite side. When we place arbitrary limits, church, on what we're prepared to step into, 
because we're too busy focusing on what we might be able to accomplish in our own strength and by our own ability. When we say, I'm not doing that because I can't see how I can do that. I don't have the skills to do the thing. Let me tell you this. We're robbing God of the opportunity to receive the glory he deserves. It sounds harsh, and that's because it is. But refusing to do something because we can't is denying the opportunity to show that he can. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writes a lot about his own insecurities and weaknesses, and he writes this. Jesus said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. What's Paul saying? That it is, it is by our weaknesses and by our lack of ability that the power of God is made perfect. The word made perfect, Greek word teleos. Say teleos. Teleos. Hey. And, uh, and it means works best or even is revealed. So the, uh, the, the power of Christ in you works best when you are not good enough. Because he is with you and his power will be evident, and all glory will be given to him. And so this is what I find amazing and incredible, and I've seen this outworked in my own life just countless times, because if we understand and accept that our true purpose is to glorify God, giving him honor and praise, helping to showcase his mighty grace and love and leading people to him, then listen to this, our weakness... And our insufficiencies actually become the greatest tool we have to achieve our purpose. Our weaknesses actually become our biggest strength. Because it's in that place where the power and the might of God is evident and is evidenced. And that is our purpose. And so how does God strengthen the weak? Let's recap. Firstly, he speaks directly to our identity by telling us who we are and whose we are. He dictates our value, our worth, the core of our being as the one who created us and breathed life into us. Secondly, he speaks to our ability by equipping us for the mission that we're on, primarily equipping us with himself by never leaving nor forsaking by going with us and going before us, and by working through us. But then finally, and most importantly, God speaks to our purpose by reminding us that our purpose primarily is not to accomplish secondary quests, but to use those secondary purposes, which highlight our inadequacies, to accomplish our true primary purpose of bringing glory to him. <laughs> 